Welcome to episode three of a special five-part mini-series, 50 Years of Reflection, insights from past annual meeting chairs celebrating the 50th annual meeting and scientific symposium of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. In each episode, we will spend time with past clinical content committee chairs to learn how the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium has evolved over the last half century. I'm Tyler Cagle, a soon-to-be graduating MPO student at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. Today, I'm excited to welcome Joanne Canis, DPT CPO. Joanne is Corporate Director of Orthotics and Prosthetics at Shriners Hospital for Children in Tampa and the immediate past president of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. Joanne, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Taylor, thanks so much for the invitation. I always love chatting about the Academy. And Joanne, in honor of the upcoming 50th anniversary of the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium, I just wanted to talk to you and get your perspective on this flagship event over the years. Now, from my understanding, you served as the Clinical Content Committee Chair for three annual meetings from 2010 to 2012. I did. Um, I started as co-chair. I was on the Clinical Content Committee first, then I was co-chair, and then I was Clinical Content Chair for three years. Amazing experience. It was really what kind of drew me into the Academy, but certainly a life-changing experience for me. And I'm sure you've had to wear a lot of hats, too, while you were filling these roles. Absolutely. But everyone I learned from, every meeting runs a little bit different. The submissions are a little bit different and I love to learn. So every year I took away something to help me. And do you recall your first ever Academy annual meeting and scientific symposium that you attended? As in, where was it held? Where were you in your career at that point? Just anything you'd like to share. I've been to so many meetings, Tyler. It's hard for me to remember my first meeting. I know it was like the mid-90s, and I believe it was in Chicago, but I I can't absolutely swear to that one. I do know that it was different for me. I had been to some other smaller meetings, and this was my first National Academy meeting, and I was pretty excited to go, but it has to be somewhere in the mid-90s. The mid-90s. That was a great year. That was when I was coming into the world. (laughs) Now it makes me feel old. No. Let's cut that out. Cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> now, do you remember what you thought of the event at that point? So the quality, the sessions, what you got out of them, the network opportunities, the social events, just anything else that you really had that was memorable? As I said before, I had really been to several regional meetings and I had been to an ACPOC meeting. But I had never been to a meeting of this size and in this structure. So it was, you know, pretty overwhelming to go in there and see a whole lot of practitioners as a newer person in the field and in the profession and to see names of people and faces to people that I had heard about while at school or people who had been guest lecturers when I was at Northwestern. It was really cool to see them and to see the speakers and the quality and to see this is the profession that I just joined. And I want to be like that someday. Some of those people, John Michael was one that I can remember thinking, it's just great that he can go up there and talk about all these things in the profession. And I want to strive to be more like that, people of that caliber. So it was overwhelming. It was exciting. It was intriguing all at the same time. I think you and I had a very similar experience with our first meetings because I just went to my first one in Nashville this past year. And 
I got to say, just apart from being able to go to this event and see all these people that you hear about or that it's, oh, I remember learning something in school that had your name on it or hearing the train heart lectures. I think what really draws people to the meeting itself was because it is a wonderful place for both students who are rising professionals or professionals who are already in the field. There is always something that you can use. There's a resource there that can help you become a better prosthetist, orthotist, and they have the tools to help you succeed, whether it's showing up to the lectures or showing up to the exhibit halls and networking again. I think the entire concept of the meeting to me is important to keep going to because every time I come away from the meeting, at least one for one, 100%, I felt a lot more prepared to take on the world. The national meeting was a great meeting to be your first meeting. How exciting was that? It was one of our largest meetings. It was at a new venue. And to see all those folks there, what an exciting first meeting to be at. It really was. We as a class lucked out. I was really happy about that. Going back to you, though, in 2010, when you first served as the Academy Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposiums Chair, what was the Academy Annual Meeting structure like then? It was very different than it is now. So I think that's been so exciting for me to see this evolution in this last 10, 12, 13 years. Back then, we didn't have nearly as many submissions. The acceptance rate was so much higher because we didn't get the volumes of abstracts that we did. All the abstracts were paper, so there was not an electronic process. I think the first year that I did the meeting is when we actually formatted what an acceptable abstract would be or even to be considered. I think before that, people would send two or three lines and we would be like, we can't make a decision from that. So to see the development of the abstract submission process being electronic, the development of the committee that reviews all the abstracts is now being done online. I remember sitting in my office and in my living room with abstracts all around my living room floor and then having to separate them out and put them in different categories and then looking at the agenda and the goals and trying to make those decisions. And now there's 50 reviewers that are reviewing these abstracts electronically. So the process itself has evolved and improved so much year over year. And when I think the committee itself is really responsible for that, the people on the committee are like, we got to make this easier. So it's been really exciting to see the submission process change, to see the caliber of the presentations change. There are many talks now that are not accepted, but are accepted as posters that would have been accepted back in 2010. So it's really been exciting. It's been rewarding to see the process and the progress and the evolution of that procedure to what it is now, which is a, an amazing workflow. And I find that fascinating that you were in there playing an integral role in evolving what we do with the selection process for all of the research here. And speaking of the evolution and making things a lot more streamlined, how have you seen the content itself evolve over the last few years? It changes. As in one example, hands-on programs were pretty popular when I started off as clinical content chair. 
But things ebb and flow. So then I think hands-on was a little less popular and were, it wasn't as well attended. And now we're seeing a reversal of that. We're seeing people really wanting those hands-on sessions are now sold out in advance and are filled to the brim. So you see the ebb and flow of what kind of education people want. Maybe some of it's related to COVID. I don't know because we didn't have as much one-on-one -on -one partnerships to learn from one another in that environment. So maybe they're looking more for it now. I'm not sure. I guess we'll see. Time will tell if that tendency continues on or if we see it change again. But I think there's definitely been some change in there. I, the poster presentations, they have increased significantly from being students to students and practitioners and researchers. And the attendance at the poster session was another really big push that we did in, in my early years on the committee to really draw folks to that really incredible session, the poster presentation. So those are some of the areas that I've really seen some changes. Uh, train hearts are always so exciting to see who's going to be up there this year and what they're going to be speaking about and the groups. I mean, you're seeing new faces of the presenters. So I think those are just some of my observations looking back over the last multiple years. And as someone who's submitting a poster this year, I just want to say thank you for all of your hard work for making it a lot better and more streamlined and making it what it is now. And I'm sure- And it really has changed because it used to be the posters were in another room and people didn't know where they were. And now we really draw people come to that session and have had the opportunity to usually walk through that session previous to even see some of the posters that were interesting to them. The attendance at that session and the importance and significance of that session have really grown immensely. And that's especially important too, if you're an up and coming student or if you're new to the profession and you're trying to get your name out there, just having a lot of other people come in and be able to see the work that you have done, you and whoever else is on the project, it really gets the exposure out. And I think it definitely helps people who are rising up in the profession. And I know this is probably going to mean a lot coming from you as a past president, but what does the Academy as an organization mean to you? The Academy is my professional home. It's where I come to, to chat with fellow professionals and practitioners in all different work environments. It's where I learn every single day. I, I learn, I read about research. I learn about professionalism and, and documentation and clinical techniques and, and all those things. So it's where I come to. It's where I feel the most at home. It's with my people. That's a common theme that we see a lot with the other guests we've had on this mini podcast series is that the Academy is a home you come to, you get to meet up with all the other practitioners that you don't normally see on a daily basis. You meet up with old friends, you meet up with old mentors. Outside of the social aspect of it, it's also an amazing place for you to just better yourself. And that being a home that you can come home to as supportive as it is, I think, extremely important for prosthetists and orthotists of all ages. It is. It's the mission of the academy. But beyond that, I want to learn every day. And, and I want to walk away from an academy meeting with something that I can put into 
place on Monday morning. And when I go to the academy meeting, that's what I get. You, you hear so many great lectures, but then you think, ah, that's what a great tool or small thing sometimes. But to be able to put it into practice on Monday morning, being able to chat with people that I went to school with a while ago and some of the new students coming out, I always go to the first time academies um, meet and greet in the morning. I get so much from that. And I love that I go early on to the first one and then the way they regroup again on the last day. And I'm like, all right, so I know where you were day one and now we're on the last day. What did you learn? And those kinds of discussions are priceless. You can't put a value on them. Exactly. Now, Joanne, what do you envision for the Academy meetings over the next 50 years to come? That is a great question because I've talked about how much change I've seen. And I think there's more change to come. I think there's, we can always do better. We always strive to do better, to be the best, to be the, the best at meeting our mission to all of our members to be their professional home. And I think there's going to be further changes. I think we've talked about face-to-face meetings. We've had online. We've had hybrids of both. Where do we stand on those? Is it going to be more hands-on? What are the needs of our members? And then the academy has to respond to that through the clinical content committee and the EDC to be able to provide that high level of education and learning. So it is going to change and technology is changing. We went from slide trays to PowerPoints and now people are getting away from PowerPoints and doing more face-to-face discussions. And so I think that's going to continue to evolve. And frankly, I can't wait to see it. And I think we have another great 50 years to come. So I'm excited as well. I know that we do. Thanks again for joining us, Joanne. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode three of 50 Years of Reflection, Insights from Past Annual Meeting Chairs, a special five-part mini-series celebrating the evolution of the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium over the last half century. I encourage you to listen to episodes one and two if you have not already, and to join us for episode four next week when we meet with Mark Holoka, president of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists and past chair of the Academy's Clinical Content Committee. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcasts for ONP professionals, the award-winning ONP Research Insights with Dr. Steve Gard, the award-winning ONP Rising podcast created for emerging professionals in our field, and ONP Clinical Care Insiders featuring key voices in the ONP community discussing their areas of clinical care and sharing personal experiences as professionals in that specialty. For more information on the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists, please visit us online at onp.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.